0: Grace and peace belong to you from God, our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text that we have before us this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we hear verses 5 through 10. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. St. Paul writes, on behalf of such a one, Jesus, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except about my weaknesses. Indeed, if I wanted to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one will think more highly of me than what he sees in me or hears from me. Therefore, to keep me from becoming arrogant due to the extraordinary nature of these revelations, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not become arrogant." Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he would take it away from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will be glad to boast all the more in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may shelter me. And that is why I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. And we pray. Oh Lord, help us to appreciate the grace, the sufficient grace that you give to us. Help us to trust in this powerful grace, even as we face weaknesses and difficulties in our lives. Amen. Please be seated. God hears prayer. God answers prayer. But God doesn't always answer prayer in the way that we want him to answer prayers. St. Paul learns this lesson here in our text, and he's talking about it because he had this thorn in his flesh, this messenger of Satan. We don't know exactly what it was. It could have been anything. But it troubled him. He goes before God repeatedly. Lord, take this away from me. And how does God answer Paul? He says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Have you ever been in those shoes? Have you pleaded with God over something, some thorn in your flesh? Maybe some pain, some suffering that you were enduring, some agonizing situation, maybe a, a loved one who was sick or dying And you go before God with groaning, with tears, and you're pleading with him, answer, do things this way, Lord. And yet God says to you, you have my grace. He says to you, I know something better, and so I want you to deal, I want you to bear this weakness, and trust me. It's hard to do, isn't it? How do you react in those situations? Are you satisfied with that answer? When our prayers are seemingly turned away, when God chooses to go down a course other than the course that we have outlined in our own heads, well, then we're tempted to to think all sorts of sinful thoughts. I've heard people, people who suffer terrible thorns and afflictions, I've heard them say, God must not care about me. Why would God allow this suffering to come upon me? Maybe God isn't even real. How would you respond? How would you answer a person like that? Now, of course, the devil and our spiritual enemies, they're trying to run with that. They're trying to get people to think God must be evil or God doesn't even exist. Why do you believe in a God that would allow suffering, they ask? I've known others who have faced these situations in their lives where their prayers are not being answered in the way they want them to be or according to the timing that they think is best. And this causes them to then fall into despair. I've heard people say, I must have done something really wrong. I must have committed some terrible sin that would cause my prayer to be denied. I thought God promised to bless me if I had a strong enough faith. So I must have a really weak faith. Maybe God is punishing me for my lack of faith. How would you answer that thought coming from someone who is dealing with some thorns in their flesh? Again, our enemies, the devil, our spiritual enemies, they try to take these things and twist them. They want people to think that that God's different answer to our prayers means that we're being punished by God or that we've been abandoned by God, that we should just give up in despair. Maybe this is evidence that he's angry or upset with us, especially people who have skeletons in their closet, especially people who deal with, with a history of sin and have great guilt. The devil loves to drag these things out in front of you and shout at you, see, God is punishing you. You deserve these thorns that you have. Again, how would you answer someone struggling that way? There are other people out there who might get angry or indignant with God when it seems that God isn't listening to them or answering their prayers in the exact way that they want them to be answered. I've also heard people say, People suffering thorns say, I've worked so hard to be a Christian. I've endured the burden of being a Christian. I've I've experienced the heat of persecution. God you owe this to me. You have to do what I say or else. How would you respond to a person with those thoughts? What answer would you give? Again, This is a dangerous trap that our enemies lay for us, and especially for church-going, devout Christians. They're tempting you to become self-righteous, tempting us to act as if somehow we've earned God's favor and that we can force him or coerce him into answering our prayers in this exact way that we think is best because of our own goodness, because we deserve it. But then what happens when God says, I know better And I'm going to take this other course, this other path. Then we're tempted to become angry, indignant, prideful before God. When you're tempted to think in any of these ways, I encourage you to listen as as Paul listened to God's answer. God answers all of these thoughts in our text. When he says, grace, grace is the answer. My grace is sufficient for you and for your thorns. When God says this to Paul here in our text, he's really saying, remember Paul, no matter how hard things get, no matter what happens in your earthly life, however poor, weak, afflicted, persecuted you might be, remember that you are among the most favored, most fortunate of people because you have my grace. In spite of all the the sinful reactions that you've had, To these thoughts, in spite of your failings, you are in possession of that which is the greatest thing that could ever be given, my love. And I want you to appreciate this treasure, God says. I want you to, to trust in it. After all, if you have the love of Almighty God, what do you have to worry about? Dear friends, this is also what God wants you to know. When it seems that your prayers are not being answered in the way that you want them to be answered, don't be discouraged. Instead, take heart. God also says to you, you have my grace. I love you. I'm going to be working for what is best for you. I want to bless you, so trust in my grace. My grace is sufficient for you, God says to Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Even in those times when we are feeling completely lost and defeated and totally weak, when we can't see a possible way out of the mess that we are in, when we are stuck with all of these thorns in our flesh, God reassures us, I'm still in control. I am the one who is at work here. And I'm going to work for your good. And he does. Even when we're feeling at our weakest. Even when we are feeling most defeated. My power is made perfect in weakness, God says. Even when everything seems to be completely dark and lost, that's when God does his best work. Isn't this, in fact, God's favorite way of operating? Isn't this what... Isn't this the the common way in which he works? He comes through for his people even when things seem to be altogether hopeless and lost. He comes through providing what is best and sometimes he does this in the most surprising ways, even in ways that, that seem to be completely impossible or weak or pathetic. I'm sure the Israelites, when they're on the battlefield facing off against the Philistines, And against that mighty Philistine warrior, that giant Goliath, they were probably praying, God, deliver us. Do you think that any of them would expect God to deliver them from the hands of their enemies by sending out a little shepherd boy with a slingshot? Or remember the story of Gideon? If you're unfamiliar or it's been a while, I'd encourage you, go read it later. Judges chapter 6 and 7. God comes to Gideon, and Gideon... He calls God out. He says, God, where have you been? Your people are being oppressed by these Midianite people. I thought you were supposed to help us. Gideon was struggling with his own doubts, this thorn in his flesh of these enemy oppressors. God says, Gideon, I've been waiting for you to lead my people in victory over them. And Gideon, again, he scoffs at God. He says, impossible, me? I'm not a warrior. I'm a weak coward, God. And yet, God reassures Gideon. And he says to Gideon, I'm here. You have my grace. I will be with you. I'm going to come through for you. Trust me, Gideon. And so Gideon takes God's army, the Israelite army, and then God even whittles that army down from 22,000 soldiers to just 300. 300. And they don't even have weapons. Instead, they have trumpets and torches and jars. And those 300 soldiers with those objects led by God, seemingly weak, pathetic, they lead God's people in victory over the oppressive Midianites. God does his best work, his most powerful work, when he works in ways that seem to be small, weak, sometimes pathetic, And this is also the case when it comes to the greatest victory that God has ever achieved. Think of the victory of our Lord Jesus over sin, death, and the devil. There are many people out there who look at Jesus and they see him as small, as weak, as pathetic. And it's true that during his earthly life, Jesus willingly chose to humble himself. Here he is, the Son of God, existing from eternity. Through him, all things that have been made exist, and he chooses to be born. Paul talks about this in Galatians 4, born under the law. He was born. He takes on our human flesh and blood. He comes into this broken, sinful world in order to help unworthy people like you and me. And he was born under the law. The expectations that God has for you and me to be perfect, to have righteousness, so that we can be with him in heaven. We failed to keep those expectations. Thankfully, the Son of God takes on our flesh and blood, comes in here. He fulfills those expectations for you and me. He earns righteousness, perfect righteousness, with his life of perfect Love, And this is a righteousness that he now wants to trade with you and me. He says, have it. Make a swap with me. Give me your sins. You can have my perfect righteousness so that you can stand before God forever in heaven. And as for our sins, he takes those sins upon himself. And again, he humbles himself lowly, small, seemingly pathetic, Jesus willingly goes to the cross. He humbled himself, became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. He takes our sins. All of those times when we might have doubted God, all of those times when we might have fallen into despair, all of those times where we had self-righteous thoughts, he takes all of those sins. He has them nailed with him, to the cross in order to cancel them. He redeems us. He buys us back. Talk about thorns in the flesh. He literally had thorns pressed into his his flesh with that crown of thorns as he suffers and dies upon the cross. He's forsaken by God to pay our debt of sin. Think about Good Friday and the people watching Good Friday. Everyone there thought, what a loss How pathetic, how weak. God's people must have certainly been disappointed because it seemed that God's enemies had completely and utterly won. Everything that they had been hoping for, the restoration of Israel, the Messiah who would be coming, now dead, tortured to death on a cross. Everything seemed hopeless and lost on Good Friday. But it was actually the opposite, right? God was at work, through this seeming foolishness, through this weakness, to bring about his greatest of all victories. God redeems us. He buys us back from sin and death. He he's swings open the gates of heaven and he says, I want you to now come in. You are welcome here. I think that Good Friday most clearly illustrates this statement that God makes to Paul in our text. My grace is sufficient for you, My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Don't we see that? Especially in the cross of our Savior, Jesus. Seemingly weak, and yet this is the power of God for your salvation. So when you find yourselves with prayers that are not being answered the way that you want them to be answered... When God asks you to bear a certain thorn in your flesh, whatever it might be, think of Good Friday. Remember that God assures us that even when everything seems to be lost, defeated, dark, weak, he has time and again come through with his sufficient, powerful grace. Even in these moments when we think that everything is lost, we can be assured that God knows what he's doing. Trust in him. Trust in his grace. When we're in the midst of this darkness, when these thorns are pressing into our flesh, remember, the morning is coming when we're going to see things differently. The people gathered around the cross on on Good Friday, they thought it was all lost and hopeless. Their view changed drastically. A few short days later when the dawning of the first day of the week, the tomb of Jesus was open, it was empty, and instead they have the now risen back to life, Jesus standing before them, proclaiming to them, peace be with you. God has proven time and again that he knows what he's, what he's doing. His grace is sufficient for you and for me. And that means that you and I can join St. Paul in saying now, amen, Lord, Even though I have this thorn stuck in my flesh, I trust you. I trust that you know what you're doing, even when I am feeling completely weak and defeated. You and your strength can carry me. In fact, knowing this, I can now, in fact, delight in my weaknesses. Isn't that incredible, St. Paul? He flips it all around. We can say the same thing. I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties because when I am weak, when I have to put my trust in God and in nothing else, that is when I am strongest. When you are suffering with thorns in your flesh, know that God will continue to pick you And me up in his arms. And he's going to carry us when those thorns are hurting. He comforts and he assures you of his sufficient grace. Especially as he points you back to the font. He points you back to that water. Again, here's something that's weak. Seemingly ordinary. Just water. And yet when God pours it on your head... His power is attached, and God Almighty makes an absolute promise to you of his commitment and of his love that he has for you. When your thorns are stuck in your flesh and they're causing you pain, let God feed you. Again, this meal that we gather around the altar to receive outwardly, it might appear to be weak and lowly and pathetic, just a little wafer and a sip of wine, and yet God tells us this is Jesus' body and blood that we get to eat and drink, and it delivers to us the forgiveness of our sins. When those thorns are pressing into your flesh, know that God, he, he's still here with you. And he will answer your prayers and requests. Even when he takes things in another direction, he's still doing what is best for you. Because he assures you and me of this in his word, in the pages of scripture, where God comes to you and me and he proclaims that he is for you, that you can be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. He's working for your good. you have the grace and love of God. So join St. Paul in boasting, boasting not in yourself, but boasting in God. Rejoice in God's power, even when those thorns are stuck in your flesh. And you can do this because you have the all-sufficient grace of God. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.